Hey, online family, we are so excited you're here with us today, whether you're on YouTube, our website, or on our podcast, we have a message just for you from our lead pastor, Jared Me. Take a listen. begin with, um, first of all, welcoming our church family. Today we have people in Texas, Ohio, Maryland, Indiana, Colorado, Latvia, Oregon, Fresno, Bakersfield, Hesperia. Can we welcome all of our church family that's joining us online? Isn't that cool? So glad you're with us today. Uh, I'd like to start with something funny, and I heard about this lady who was in the plane. She was reading her Bible. The guy next to her leaned over and was like, do you believe all that? She said, you mean everything in the Bible? Yeah, this is the Bible. I believe it. He says, well, wait a minute. What about that guy? The guy that got swallowed by a whale. She says, oh, you mean Jonah? He says, yeah, that guy. You really believe that that guy survived in the, the, the stomach of a whale for, th- for three days? How did he do that? She looked back at him and said, you know, I don't know. But I tell you what, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. Sarcastically, he leaned over. and He's like, well, what if when you get to heaven, he's not there? She smiled and said, well, I guess you'll have to ask him then. Um, I'm just teasing. It's just a joke. We, we just having fun this morning. <laughs> you all awake? <laughs> uh, I want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read a scripture. We're in the series called Worthy. Last week, we talked about worship, talked about worshiping in truth. This week, we're going to talk about worshiping in spirit. Jesus was having a conversation with a woman about worship and about the fulfillment of life. And he talks about worship. So I want you to read this verse. It's found in John chapter 4, verse 23. Everyone join me, those of you online. Why don't you read it with us as well? Here we go. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, what this passage tells us, and kind of had a reference, you know, the word fake is a a popular word around. People use it now in a lot of different ways. Not just fake news. Did you know that Jesus said that there are people who think that they're worshiping God? They have good intentions, but the Bible even says that they're fake worshipers or their worship is farce. So there's true worshipers and those who really aren't understanding what it's all about. And we learned last week that a lot of that has to do with spirit and truth. And the word truth is about our hearts. That we can worship God with our mouths, but our hearts can be far from Him. So we talked about having the right heart of worship and about the routines of worship that help connect our heart. Today we're going to talk about the other side, which is spirit. So I want you to close your eyes. And as your eyes are closed, you know, we've had a family in our church who lost Liz lost her mother, Wayne. They've been involved with serving in kids' ministry. I just want to pray for comfort for them. Father, we thank you today for your presence. I pray for comfort for this wonderful family in our church who have lost someone they love. Holy Spirit, we know that you're the comforter. Bring your comfort today. And I pray today that as we open up the Bible and we learn about worship, that you would speak to each one of us. In fact, why don't you say this with me? Say, Holy Spirit, I want to be a true worshiper in Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Scripture says true worshipers 
have to worship from the heart in truth, not get caught up in the ritual or ceremony, but that we also have to worship in spirit. Now, what does that mean? What is worshiping in spirit? Last week we learned about truth, so what is spirit? Well, the word spirit here in the Greek is actually a word, and it means this. It's the word pneuma in the Greek, and we find it all throughout Scripture. It means this. It means the breath or the wind or the spirit of God. In fact, when you see the word Holy Spirit in the Bible, it's referring to pneuma. So literally, True worshipers worship with truth from their heart, but they also worship through the Spirit. And I want to talk about that today. What does that mean? This word, Holy Spirit, um, when I was growing up in the church, a lot of times, because I grew up in more of a Pentecostal setting, they didn't use the word Holy Spirit. They used Holy Ghost. Come on, you may remember that. So if you come from that background, you heard a lot about the Holy Ghost. Today, I want to talk to you about it. Now, let me just say, when we talk about the Holy Spirit... What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? If you look in the Bible, there's a lot of purposes or functions of the Holy Spirit. Let me say, if you became a Christian, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone who believes in Christ, the Bible says that you've been adopted into the family of God and received His Spirit. We also know that there's an experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where people are filled with power and uh, to evangelize and, and can receive and speak in spiritual language. So what does it mean? Well, the Holy Spirit came, and here's why it came. Jesus said, I have to leave so that the helper will come. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in our lives is it's a helper. It's an advocate for us with God. We know that the Holy Spirit is also a comforter, that he comforts us. Anybody walk through times in your life where you needed God's comfort? That was the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit also, it reveals truth. So when you're reading the Bible and he begins to show you things, that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We also know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So when you feel bad about something you've done, that is the Holy Spirit showing you that that's a sin and you should repent of it. You all with me? Also, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, it is um, the one that empowers us to be holy or to live righteous. See, when you become a Christian, you don't just go to Jesus and have him forgive you of your sins. And he forgives all your sins, past, present, and future. But the Holy Spirit now helps us to not want to sin anymore and to start to change the way we live and be more righteous and more holy. God said, I want you to be holy as I am holy. So these are functions of the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing that I often don't hear pastors preach about, and this is another function of the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Holy Spirit does. Point number one, write this down. The Spirit helps us worship. Did you know that one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is not just to make you holy and to help you live a a life free from sin or or to overcome sin, but it's to help you in your worship? Y'all with me? So I want to show you a verse of that. In fact, as I was studying this this week, I found it everywhere in the Bible. And I began to think about it. I haven't heard a lot of pastors talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in worship. And so I want to show you an example of that in the Bible. Can we go, if you have a Bible in the New Testament, wherever you get in your scripture, go to the U version on your phone, your Bibles, open it up. We're reading in the New Living Translation. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How many of you would like to know what God's will is for your life? Well, guess what? He's going to tell you right here. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, let me stop right there. Some of you are like, oh, no, is he going to preach on that? We're not going to preach on wine. We're not going to preach on alcohol and what the Bible has to say about that. 
But what we are going to say is the Bible says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the, what's the word? Pneuma. It's the same word. So rather than get filled up on wine or filled up on things of the world, get filled up with the Spirit of God. And here's what will happen when the Spirit is in your life and you're full of the Spirit. It's activated in your life. You will begin to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You'll be singing and making music in your heart. There's that word, heart, to the Lord. So one of the ways to activate our hearts in worship is to allow the Spirit of God to fill us. Always giving thanks to God the Father for, what's the next word? You realize there's a lot of people that their worship is kind of, it, it has moments where it's good and moments where it's bad. In other words, they'll show up to a corporate setting and sometimes they won't worship because when the worship starts, they do this. And here's why they do this and here's why, because they're going through a trial. And so because of their trial and because of something going on, maybe they've lost their job, maybe there's an issue with their family, they don't feel it, they're having a hard time, they're not feeling good, and so they're like, I don't feel like worshiping. Or maybe they come to church and they don't worship, or in their private time they're not worshiping, and here's why. It's because they've been making some mistakes and sinning, so the enemy jumps on their, their shoulder and says, what do you think you are? You're just a big hypocrite. If you worship God, I know what you did this week, so you can't worship God. Well, let me just stop and say, since when is worship about you? And since when is worship about how good you are? And secondly, since when is worship about how good your circumstances are? We learned last week that worship is about the worship of God, that he is worthy. That's what this series is about. And if something's worthy, it deserves a response for that. So worship is, is something that's based on the goodness of God, on the worthiness of God. And how many know that that never changes? So every time we come to worship corporately, we have a reason to worship. Whether we're going through good times or bad times or not, because he's worthy. Amen? It's interesting because as I begin to think about this passage, I begin to realize as I look through the scripture, everywhere you see this idea. Did you know that even Jesus in the book of Luke, the Bible says in one example, that the Bible says that when he heard the reports of the people that he had sent out to do ministry and how that people were being healed and lives were being changed, the Bible says that he became full of joy in the spirit. Guess what that word is? Numa. And when Jesus experienced the joy of the Spirit, the Bible says that he began to declare praise to God. He suddenly spoke out praises and said, I thank my Father in heaven. And he began to praise God. Do you know the Bible says that Mary, when she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, what happened? She sang the Magnificat. She began to talk and sing about the goodness of God. The same thing happened to Elizabeth when um, her child was in her stomach, right, or in her womb. And when Mary spoke to her, the child leaped and she was filled with the Spirit. The child was filled with the Spirit. And then what did she do? She sang out praises to God. If you look through the Bible, everywhere you will discover that the work of the Holy Spirit is not just to keep you holy. It's not just to comfort your life. It's to empower and fuel you to be a true worshiper. So I'm going to end this point with this thought. If people are struggling with being able to worship, could it be because we're filled up with a lot of things in our life other than being filled up with the Spirit of God? Come on, let that one just sit and simmer. Come on, soak in that one for a little bit. Just marinate that one a little bit.
What are you filled up with? And I think one of the things we need to stop and say is, Lord, instead of being filled up with this, instead of being filled up with this, i got to be honest with you, sometimes we can get caught up in the news or we can get caught up in entertainment or we can get caught up in a sporting event, and sometimes that becomes all-consuming. And so I, there's nothing wrong with news, there's nothing wrong with sporting events, there's nothing wrong with hobbies, but what I want to say is that maybe our, our prayer should be, in fact, when was the last time you prayed, Lord, fill me up with your spirit today? You know, the Bible says, in the passage we read, it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what that word filled with the Spirit means in the, in the original language? Here's what it means. To be filled and continually being filled. So when was the last time you literally, in your prayer time, in your devotion, or when you were in church, you prayed, Lord, fill me with your Spirit again. Fill me up with your Spirit. Why don't you just close your eyes? I think a lot of people haven't prayed that prayer in a long time. Why don't you just pray that prayer? Holy Spirit, fill me freshly. Fill me up. Continually fill me up. If there's other things that are taking all the room, if there's other things that are crowding you out, fill me with your Spirit so that I can be a true worshiper. Just receive that right now. Come on, somebody say amen to the Spirit of God. So the first thing we need to learn is that true worshipers, not hashtag fake worshipers, but true worshipers worship in spirit through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit leads us to worship and truth, a good heart. Now I want to do is I want to take this next point. I want to give it to you, and then I want to now take a few minutes and tell you a story. I'm going to go a little bit different with my message. I'm going to tell you a story for the last 15 minutes or so of my message. And within that story of my own life, I'm going to illustrate with a couple verses and, and truths and kind of wrap it up with the rest of the story. But I want to give you point number two, because if we're going to be true worshipers, we have to worship from the heart. We have to worship through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And here is the result of spirit worship, and that's this. Spirit-led worship creates an atmosphere of transformation and power. I want to say that again. Spirit-led worship creates an atmosphere of transformation and power. And I'm going to illustrate that through the Bible, but I'm going to illustrate it through my own story. All right? So I want to tell you, it flashed back to 1997. Come on, how many remember where you were in 1997? How many remember what your hairdo looked like in 1997? I remember what you were wearing in 1997, all right? So 1997, I was a worship pastor, and I did kind of what Sean and Macy and April do. I worked, worked with our worship teams. Back those, in those days, I had a choir, and, and, um, and so I would lead in worship. And, and I'll never forget, there was this event going on in Pensacola. Now, some people have different feelings about this revival in Brownsville, um, some people felt it was a great thing. Some people didn't. I want you to know personally, I got to meet the people there. I got to experience it. And I, I know that much of what happened there was credible and real. Lives were changed. People were touched. People were saved. I know that because I met the people and I saw what God did. I also know that any time that God does something good, there's the counterfeit and there's goofiness that goes along with it and people are drawn to things. And, and so, you know, that, that always happens. And so we have to have wisdom. We have to discern. We have to judge. We have to sense what God is doing. You all with me? So 
just so happened that I went there, my pastor took me there, I became friends with the worship leader at the Brownsville Revival. And so he invited me to come to be a part of what's called Awake America. And over two million people came to Brownsville over the course of a few years, and they would have services every night. And at those services, the worship leader would lead worship. People came hungry to encounter God. The pastor would preach really a salvation message. People would get saved or recommit their lives. And then they would have prayer times in the altar afterwards. A lot of miracles happened, and <coughs> people got saved. Wonderful times of God's presence. But what happened was is that so many people wanted to come. They were lining up literally around the block, hundreds and hundreds of people the night before and staying all night to get in. And so they said, let's take it to the world. And so they started going to different cities like Houston and, and, and uh, Dallas and places and doing Awake America or just having one of these services where people from that area could go to a coliseum. They'd have 10, 15,000 people. So he called me. He said, Jared, I want you to come and be a part of Awake America in Denver. I want you to sing on the worship team and uh, help me by, you know, playing the keyboard when I'm doing some teaching and stuff. And so the night before I went, I was going to be there for a Monday night, Tuesday night. On Sunday night, we still had Sunday night services. And I remember it was, it was right before the 6 o'clock service. I gathered my team together, and suddenly I had this prompting from God. Um, and here's what I said to my team. Guys, I want you to pray for me that, that I'll be able to prophesy. Now let me stop and say, there's the gift of prophecy, and I'm not going to take time to teach on prophecy, but... The idea in my mind at that time and what I meant was, is as a worship leader, I wanted God to give me some spirit-led moments where as I led that maybe I felt that God would give a phrase or something that he wanted to sing over the congregation and that I would just break into, as I led, moments of singing out some prophetic things in between songs or during a song. So I wanted to have the boldness to prophesy. I was a little bit scared to do it. So they prayed for me that night. 24 hours later, I'm standing on the stage at Awake America. There's somewhere between 12, 15,000 people out there. And as I'm over there singing on the worship team, suddenly, Lindell, now, Lindell was a great worship leader because he had a lot of energy and he would sing like this and he'd move around. He always had this smile, but he also had an interesting thing. When he looked at you, he kind of had one of those eyes that kind of went off a little bit. So you weren't which, sure which eye to look at when you talk to him. Come on, anybody want to talk about Come on. Don't judge me. I'm just telling you the way it was. So sometimes when he was looking at you, you didn't know if he was looking at you or the person next to you. Come on, I'm even talking about it. So he's leading worship. He's kind of has this moment, and then he just stops, and he looks across the stage, and he says, somebody over there needs to prophesy. And none of us knew who he was looking at. So I'm thinking, well, he's not looking at me. And so there were three ladies next to me on the worship team, and the lady on the end, she goes, and she looks at the lady next to her. Because remember, there's 12,000 people out there. The lady next to her, she's like, she looks at the lady next to her. And the lady next to her, she's like, she looks at me. And I'm like, but there's nobody there. I'm the last guy. So Lindell goes, you know what, Jared? Why don't you just prophesy to the Lord? And then he puts his hands on the keys and he just starts playing a song. And the first thing that goes through my mind is, Lord, I know I asked you 24 hours ago to prophesy, but do I have to practice in front of 12,000 people? That was the first thing that went through my mind. I'm like, God, couldn't I do it in a small group? Couldn't I do it at even my home church in a prayer meeting where there's just a few people? Do I have to do this now? And how many know there's one thing to do something when you really feel God leading you to do it at that moment? You know, when you get the ducky bumps or the hair stands up on the back of your head or you have this clear impression from God. It's another thing when you got nothing. Come on. I mean, I didn't feel it, I didn't have anything, but how many know, be careful what you pray, 
because the Lord just might answer your prayer. So I remembered that prayer, and I'm like, okay, God, this must be my moment. I, I don't really feel it, but so I kind of just stopped for a second, and I said, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And the first thing that came to my mind were these words, I was dry, and I needed help. So as he played, I just decided to prophetically sing that over the congregation. And, and when I sang it, it, it wasn't my best moment. Let's just say it that way. I think my voice cracked at least twice, and I sang, I was dry. And I needed help. And I opened my eyes. And when I sang those words, Linda went from a smile to. I looked over at the pastor on the other side of the stage. And this is literally what he did. And I'm thinking, oh, no. The dove just flew away. The Holy Spirit's gone. I'm going to be known as the guy that killed the Brownsville revival. This is what I'm going, going through my mind. I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible. This was a learning experience. This is definitely not one of those victories where you walk away, wasn't that awesome? It was more like, boy, I learned something from that. <laughs> so I, I sang a little bit more, and then we went on with the service and kind of walked away thinking, yeah, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but at least I, God, you know, I obeyed what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. When I got home, I began to study because I began to have this passion because I understood that there was this connection between worship and the Spirit uh, the prophetic, the release of, of the Holy Spirit through prophecy, through a, a lot of things. And so I began to study, and the Lord began to show me something. And when I, I got this revelation, it was pretty powerful for me personally as a worship leader. And I want to show it to you what the Lord showed me in First Samuel. If the Bible, go there real quick. Remember, we're talking about a spirit-led worship experience creates an atmosphere for transformation and power. This story is about... Saul, who had been appointed the new king of Israel from Samuel, and as he's leaving, Samuel says, on your way, as I've anointed you, on your way, you're going to come into a group of people worshiping. And here's what's going to happen. He says, when you arrive, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of, what is it? Worship. And they will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. So they're literally, you're going to come into an atmosphere of prophetic, spirit-led worship. And watch what's going to happen. When you step into that atmosphere, at that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You'll be changed into a different person. And when this happens, after these signs take place, do what you... What must be done, or another translation says, do whatever you need to do, for God is with you. And so I began to study, and I looked into the, the, the Hebrew there, and here's basically, if you break it down, this is what that means. That as they were worshiping and prophesying, that word literally means there, it means to come under divine influence. So in other words, they weren't just walking down, you know, playing their flute and playing the, their harp or their guitar. They weren't, in other words, they weren't on the stage just following their chord chart and playing along. They were being inspired as they played through the Holy Spirit. They weren't just doing, let me say it this way, karaoke worship, which sometimes we do, right? We come into church, the, the music is going, the words come up on the screen, and we're like, okay, let's see, okay, uh, heaven come down. What's the next word? Heaven come. And we do karaoke worship, but there's no connection to our heart. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to, to awaken us, to realize that God's presence is here, that he wants to do something great. And so what he's talking about is not just a set list, but spirit-led worship. 
And I want to tell you one thing about this church that we hear all the time is people will say, Pastor, you know, I've been in church for years, but I haven't really experienced the presence or felt the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. But when I walk in here so many times, I feel the Spirit of God during the worship. And I feel it when you're preaching. And why is that? Because our worship team, they're praying that the Holy Spirit will lead them. They have a list. They have a set. They have an order, but sometimes they break off the order and they'll sing a verse again or they'll sing a bridge again or they'll change it up and sing something spontaneous. Why? Because we're trying to create an atmosphere where the Spirit is leading the worship, not just someone is leading, but the Spirit is leading. And when that happens, here's what the Scripture says. When you walk into an atmosphere of Spirit-led worship where the Spirit is engaged in this worship experience, here's what happens. He says, the Spirit will come upon you. That literally means to rush over to cause to prosper. So in an atmosphere of prophetic worship, the Spirit rushes over you and makes you prosperous. And then it says this, you'll be changed into a different person. And that literally can be changed, uh, uh, translated into a champion. So you'll become a champion. The Spirit of God has got your back making you prosperous. And then he says this, and at that moment when you're in that atmosphere, whatever you need to do, do it because God is with you. And as I read that and as I studied that, I got all excited because I realized that's what happens at Higher Vision. So what happens at the church I was from is that as we're in this moment where the Holy Spirit is really active in our worship experience, it creates and sets the stage where whatever we need to do, if it's pray for the sick, if it's give an altar call, miracles and, and lives are changed because the Spirit is there, it creates an atmosphere for transformation and power. That's why you need to get lost people to church. You can witness to them on your own, but there's something about being in a setting where the Spirit of the Lord is there to create an atmosphere for transformation and power that their hearts often are opened and they'll accept Christ in a setting like that where they may not do it with you personally. Now, you need to do it personally. You need to invite them to Christ. You need to talk to them about Christ, but you've got to get to church because when we gather together in that atmosphere, it's a place where power and transformation takes place. Isn't that kind of cool? Come on, somebody say amen. So I got that revelation as I read, and I was like, man, that's really cool. Well, then suddenly, not long after that, the phone rings, and it's Lyndall Cooley from the Brownsville Revival. And I'm thinking, I thought he erased my number. <laughs> and he calls me and says, Jared, you need to come. I remember I'm telling you a story. He says, you need to come to Brownsville. We're going to have this worship conference where a 1,000 worship leaders from all over the world are coming, and I want you to come and just share from your heart and deposit what God has given you. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm excited. I've got this revelation. I've even had a story where I tried, you know, I, even though it wasn't the greatest success, I stepped out and obeyed the Lord, so I showed up. I get to Brownsville. I'm in my hotel room the night before I'm supposed to speak, and as it's about midnight, and I'm, I'm trying to go to bed, I'm, I'm thinking about my sermon. Suddenly, I ask the Lord, you know, Lord, I would like to see that, what you showed me in Samuel. I'd like to see it in the New Testament. The Bible says, let the word of God be established in the mouth of two witnesses. So I'd like to see it again. Would you show it to me? And then the Holy Spirit whispers to me and says, read the book of Acts. And I'm like, God, could you give me the chapter and verse? That's the longest book in the whole New Testament. That's literally what I said. I'm like, it is midnight. I've got to get up and minister for you tomorrow. Could you give me the chapter and verse? Or could it be like Philemon or Jude or... Or, and God says, no, start at the beginning. And then I start arguing with God. I'm like, God, I have already, I've memorized that part. I know the first two chapters of Acts. 
And I started telling him, like, Jesus, this is when he returned back into heaven. He told the disciples, go back and wait for the promise. When they get to the promise, they wait in the upper room, and they're praying, and suddenly there appears to them as of cloven tongues of fire, and there's a loud sound from heaven, and it sat upon each of them, and they began to speak in other tongues. God says, I know, I know, I know. Start at the beginning. And so I start at the beginning, and I begin to read about this release of the Holy Spirit, right? And then I get to this passage. Now, remember, they've come together. They... As they're praying and everything, the Holy Spirit comes. There's appear signs, tongues, a fire appear that you could see, a sound that's loud. People from all over the world are in Jerusalem because they've come to the, the, the Pentecost uh, festival. When they hear the sound and when they see the fire, they come and they start listening to them. And this is where we pick up the story. Acts chapter 2. All of a sudden, all of them were filled with the holy, what is it? Numa. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God enabled them. Now, in the Bible, we see tongues or spiritual language, and there's two types. There's known tongue and unknown tongue. Sometimes in the Bible, they would actually speak in languages that they didn't know by the inspiration of the Spirit. Sometimes they would speak in languages that nobody understood. And those are the types of uh, spiritual language we see in Scripture. But they're speaking in languages people know. So other tongues as a Spirit, pneuma, enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now I'm reading this in Brownsville. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, these people from Galilee, they don't know our language. How are they speaking in our language? And then it says, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, uh, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. All these languages are being declared, right? And speaking in those languages. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. And as soon as I read that, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, read that phrase again. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. And then the Holy Spirit began to download this idea to me. He said, Jared, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all praying in other languages and people heard them praying or heard them speaking in their own language, what were they doing? What were they saying? Declaring the wonderful works of God. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, what did it empower them to do? They began worshiping. They were declaring the wonderful works of God. They were worshiping God in other languages. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, remember that thing you read that when you're in an atmosphere of prophetic worship or spirit-led worship, in other words, it's not just singing the song, it's not just karaoke worship, but there is a Holy Spirit inspiration and divine influence taking place that in that atmosphere, the Spirit will come over you, make you prosperous, turn you into a champion, and whatever you need to do at that moment, you can do it because God is with you. Watch what happens in the story. And I begin reading, and here's what we discover. Peter, the guy who just a couple chapters before was afraid to acknowledge that he even knew Jesus, suddenly the Spirit comes on him. He turns from a wimp into a champion. And he goes, you know what? What do we need to do right now? You know what I think I should do? I should preach a sermon and give an altar call. He stands up in the midst of prophetic worship, the atmosphere of transformation and power. He preaches a sermon. 3,000 people are saved, and God launches the church of Jesus Christ because spirit-led worship creates an atmosphere 
transformation and power. That's why we need to be gathered together. That's why we need to come together to worship. That's why you need church. You need to hear the word and you need to be in an atmosphere where God can speak to you, where he can reveal things to you, where his power can transform things in your life. Maybe even the people around you need you to be in a place of spirit-led worship. Well, man, when I saw that, that night in my room, I got so excited, I jumped up off the bed at midnight and I did a somersault. I literally did a somersault in my room. And I started shouting, going, hallelujah, this is awesome, praise God. They sent someone from the front office to my door and said, you're making too much noise, we're getting complaints. It's true. I go the next morning, I'm going to finish the story now. I go the next morning to Brownsville. I show up and I'm excited because I feel like God's given me a revelation. I've never seen it anywhere, never heard it, but it's so clear in Scripture. I show up, I've got my Bible, I walk up to the front, I am loaded for bear, just like, got my Bible ready to go, I'm ready to preach the word and just share with passion, and I start preaching, and man, the Holy Spirit's moving, and then, and, and then I start, for some reason, I hadn't planned on it, but I started telling the story of Denver, and how that in that moment, I decided to allow the Holy Spirit, Spirit-led, prophetically worship, or speak that out, and how that I felt like it was kind of a failure, but sometimes we have to just step out and trust the Lord and make it steps of faith and as I'm talking about the story and I'm preaching someone about halfway back in the auditorium starts going like this and I start getting irritated so I'm like what are you doing this is my time this is not your time I know it sounds silly but I, I was ready I had an anointed word from God and I'm thinking this is my moment God's brought me here for this reason if you need to go to the bathroom go ushers where are you safety team take her back to the bathroom that's what I'm thinking she doesn't quit. She starts waving her arm bigger and stands up and interrupts me. And she goes, Pastor Jared, I'm so sorry to interrupt your sermon, but, but I just feel like that you got to know this. That day when you sang I was dry and I needed help and you thought it was a failure and everything, I, I was there at Denver Coliseum when you did that, and I have to tell you what happened when you sang those words. My jaw dropped, and I'm like, it's your time. It's not my time, it's your time. Let's get her a pulpit. Let's get her a microphone. Give us your overhead projector stuff or your screen. We'll, we'll put it up there for you. I was like, this is your moment. Go ahead. What, what, I want to know what happened. We all wanted to know what happened. And then she tells this story. She says, you know, Pastor Jared, um, on Sunday night, the day before Awake America, I found out later it was at the exact time, if you remember, when I started this story, that I called my worship team together and I felt prompted and had them pray that God would give me the boldness to prophesy. Remember that? On that exact moment, on that exact day, she said about 40 of us, we were all a part of this Bible school and we, we, we got together and we went into this room and we were sitting around in the room and everyone was really discouraged. Everyone was kind of bummed out and someone got our attention and they said, guys, I have to tell you something. I'm dry and I need help. And she said, when he made that statement, everyone in the room said, that's exactly the way we feel. And then someone said, well, you know, maybe we should go to Awake America tomorrow night. Well, go to the service and, and just worship. Maybe God has something, wants to encourage us or whatever. So she said, Pastor Jared, all 40 of us went to Awake America the next night, and we were standing out in the audience. And suddenly, Lyndall stops the service, and you begin to prophetically, spirit-led sing was dry and I needed help. And they said, as soon as you said that, 
the Holy Spirit came upon all of us. We weren't like holding hands. We weren't looking at each other. We were just standing there kind of with our eyes closed. And the Holy Spirit came upon us so profoundly that we all kind of crumbled and fell on the ground or in our seats. And I know for some of you, you're not sure how you feel about people falling. And we do see in the Bible some examples of that. People are responding differently to God. And I don't want to get into a theological discussion about that. But for them, this was their experience. And they said, we all fell. And we never heard anything else you said. But all we know is that as we laid there, about 40 minutes later, when we started to get up, we weren't dry anymore. It was like the Holy Spirit filled us and refreshed us and refueled us and encouraged us. And we stood. And as she said that, it was like the Holy Spirit took over the, the service. I put my Bible down as people started standing all over the crowd and started weeping and singing out praises to God. One man ran and, and, and fell down before God on his face. And then suddenly another one ran and people started running to the front. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, Because I hadn't called anybody forward. They just started running and, and they started, some people started repenting of their sins. Some people started, started praying prayers, prophetic prayers. People started grabbing each other and praying for each other. And like, like heaven broke out in that place. I finally just grabbed my Bible and I went off to the side because God took over. And it went on, not for 10 minutes, not for a half an hour. It went on for several hours. I left and people were all over the place still crying and reading. And, I mean, it was amazing. In fact, that night they had me come in and testify and, and share at the revival what God had done at the conference that day. All because spirit-led worship creates an atmosphere for transformation and power. I'm going to tell you why I believe over 30,000 people have accepted Jesus at this church since we planted it 13 years ago. Because I believe this is a place where God is stirring up His Spirit and the Spirit is releasing this authentic heart and passion for God. And in that atmosphere of worship, Hearts are changed. Lives are transformed. And we've seen it over and over again. Last night as we were praying at the end of the service and worshiping, the Lord began to stir my heart about praying for people that were sick. And we had several people. I've had two or three testimonies already just from last night of how God literally, miraculously healed them from the condition they had. Just right there in the midst of spirit-led worship. God says, I'm looking for true worshipers. Not people that read the words on the screen and do karaoke worship have the courage to say, God, fill me up with you and your presence, your spirit, not just the things of the world. Fill me up with your spirit. And when that happens, hymns and songs and spiritual songs begin to flow out and suddenly people turn into a champion. Imagine what would happen if you did this in your own life, in your own prayer time on the way to work. And you walked into work with some spirit-led worship in your car. And now suddenly the spirit of God is on you and you're a champion. And whatever you need to do, you can do it for God is with you. Maybe you'd close that sale. Maybe you'd be able to pray for that person in the, in the office place that you're scared to pray for. Maybe that relationship would be healed. Just close your eyes for a second. 